Good morning everyone. My name is Meredith and I am part of the Trinity Church family. Today I'm reading from John 18 verses 1 to 40. When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said, and Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, Put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. You aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid, un to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would have not handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. 
This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Good morning, everyone. I remember a few years ago, I was with a friend in his beat-up old VW Beetle, and we were driving up this really steep hill up to a lookout. And as we were going up this hill, the car, the, the Beetle, started to get slower and slower, and my friend started to get more and more concerned, until finally the Beetle came to a complete stop with him putting the pedal completely to the floor and the beetle just refusing to go forward. I looked over at him and he explained what was going on and suddenly we both were extremely worried until at that point the beetle started to go backwards down this steep hill and gain more and more speed as his brakes couldn't hold us and he gave up trying to stop us and just looked over his shoulder and tried to steer us down this incredibly steep hill at a much too fast pace until we hit the gravel he spun around and we came to a stop with great relief in those couple of minutes of panic our lives went from feeling like we were in control to realizing how little control we really actually have over our lives the appearance of control seemed to evaporate like that in those moments. Uh, it was like a, f a switch had been flicked and what had previously felt like control suddenly felt like chaos. I've had other times in my life, as I'm sure you have, where suddenly that feeling of control that we have seems to evaporate and we feel like we don't have hardly any control over our lives. Uh, I remember one time when that feeling of control evaporated, not just for minutes, but for weeks. It was when my fourth child, Evie, was born uh, at 28 weeks, 12 weeks preemie. Kathy was in hospital. I wasn't with her. I got a text on my phone saying, don't panic, but I'm about to, to, to deliver. Get here when you can. And so what did I do? I panicked, of course. I drove there as quick as I could, probably a bit too quickly. I came running into the hospital. That feeling of control that I usually feel over my life had evaporated like that. And for the next few weeks, life felt chaotic, completely out of control. I wonder how you feel at the moment. If you feel anything like me, then perhaps 
you feel like the control that you once had over your life has just evaporated like that. And we're looking at not just minutes, not just weeks, but months without control or what feels like a lack of control. Today, we're looking at John chapter 18. And what we see, first of all, in this chapter is that even when things appear out of control, Jesus is in control. That's what we're going to see over and over again in this chapter. There's a whole heap of chaotic things happening and there's a whole heap of people trying to exert control. But what we keep seeing is the one who is truly in control is Jesus. Look with me at verse 3. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns and weapons. Who looks like they're in control here? Who's got the light on a dark night? Who's got the weapons? Who's got the men? Well, it looks like these people sent out to arrest Jesus are in control. But have a look what happens. Look at verse 4. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus doesn't hide in the garden, hide behind the trees, and they're really not expecting this. They're not expecting that this person who's come out to meet them is going to be the very person they're seeking. And so verse 5, they say that they're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am he. Now, it's interesting because in the Greek here, he literally says, I am, which can mean I am he. But it's also the way God talks about himself, the name he gives himself. And it's a little bit ambiguous and deliberately so. But when Jesus says, I am or I am he, look what happens. Verse six. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. They're so surprised to see Jesus there calmly walking out in control that they fall back. And perhaps because they're so cluttered together, they they hit the ground. They, They fall to the ground. Whatever the case, they end up flat on the ground. And Jesus ends up in control of the situation, calmly standing there, offering himself to them. It's like they're an escort come to escort this important person rather than a mob come to arrest him illegally. Jesus knows what is about to happen to him. And yet even in the face of his imminent death, hours, just hours away, Jesus is in control. And this mob sent by the chief priests and the Sadducees who look like they're in control, who've come to exert their control, well, really they're not. They find Jesus calm, collected, and in control, complete control of the situation. Look in verse 8 at what Jesus does with his control. He says to them, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. And we see why he said this in verse 9. This happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. Jesus uses his control to save his people. Here in the garden, he lets his disciples go. He gives himself up. And it's a taste of what's about to happen in just a few hours 
Jesus giving his life up at the cross to save the lives of his people. But look at verse 10. Because Simon Peter, who's there, he's not happy with how Jesus is taking control of this situation. And so he tries to take control. He has a sword, and so he draws it, and he strikes off the high priest's servant's ear. He wants to take the initiative. He wants to force control, but in the end, all he does is add to the chaos Remember, Peter thought that he'd die for Jesus, and here we see he's willing to die for Jesus, but as long as it's on his terms, as long as he's in control. What he's not prepared to do is to follow Jesus' lead here. Jesus, at this point, he outright commands Peter, look at verse 11, put your sword away, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Most of us spend so much of our lives trying not to drink the cup the Father has given us. We struggle to accept our circumstances, to be content, to accept who we are, to face the struggles and the burdens that come our way. But Jesus, when he faces taking up the ultimate cup, taking up the cup of fallen humanity, to own for our sake the failure of this world, the corruption of this world, the sickness and the sin of this world, when he faces taking up our cup and drinking it down to its its bitter dregs, well, he's willing. He does it. Jesus, fully in control, he takes up our cup the cup that the Father has given him, and he drinks it on behalf of humanity. Now, how is Peter feeling at this point? I mean, he, he's done what he could do. He, he's jumped in. He's a man of action. And Jesus has knocked him back, told him, put away that sword. And what we see is he's reeling, he, he's staggering, he's confused, but, it, but he's not down for the count. He's still in there. He's determined he's going to be there till the end, even if it kills him. So he follows Jesus at a distance and he's, he's so bold that he even enters the enemy's stronghold. Most of the others, they may have deserted Jesus, but not Peter. He's nervous. It's quite impressive. He's determined that he's going to be there to the end no matter what. But look at what happens in verse 17. The servant girl, she thinks she recognizes Peter. So she asks him, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? Now, at this point, Peter sees what he's clearly got to do. He needs to deny that he knows Jesus for the sake of his bigger plan of being there. After all, she's not someone of significance. She's just a servant girl. And so he says, I am not. But then a little bit later on, things get a bit more heated because as he stands around the, the fire, warming himself the light catches his face and the group recognizes him and so again he needs to deny that he's one of jesus disciples until finally a relative of the man who peter had cut his ear off thinks he recognizes peter this guy he's serious he's not so easy to fob off he's got skin in the game and so peter emphatically denies jesus 
feeling like things are getting out of control quickly. And in that very moment, startling them all, a rooster crows, just as Jesus said would happen. Peter's attempt to wrestle control over things, it's seen for what it is. A veneer, a mirage, his control, it's gone like that. But Jesus, in the midst of the chaos, still he reigns supreme. We see this when Jesus is talking to Pilate. Have a look at verse 36. Jesus says to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus is a king, a king beyond this world, not merely of this world, not a, not a king like uh, other kings or a leader like Pilate or a leader like Caiaphas or Ennis trying to assert their control. Jesus is an otherworldly king, a king beyond this world, a king with control over all things. And Pilate, he says in verse 37, You are a king then. And Jesus answers, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to Jesus. See, the truth is, Jesus really is the king. He really is the one in control. All these other leaders are struggling to assert control, but they're failing. Ennis and Caiaphas are wrestling for control. Even Pilate here is wrestling for control, but but he can't even get what he wants. Ennis and Caiaphas, they want Jesus killed, but they don't have control over that. They have to go to Pilate. Peter, even he who loves Jesus, he's trying to wrestle control himself. But in this chaos and this storm, there's only one person who is in control. The one who is at the center of all things. Jesus, who stands there calmly in control. The truth is, Jesus is the king beyond this world. The king over all things. And he reigns supreme over all. That's the truth. Although Pilate doesn't want to hear it. He wants to stay non-committal. He's not on the side of truth in the end. He wants to maintain the illusion that he's in control. I was listening to the radio on Monday night and surprise, surprise, they were talking about COVID-19. But what got my attention was that they were discussing how before the crisis, we so often feel invincible in life. So often we feel entitled and when things actually go wrong, we look for someone to blame. But they were asking the question, Could it be that this crisis will cure us of the illusion that we're in complete control of our lives? Could it cure us of of the expectation that things should always go smoothly for us and when they don't, that we should be able to blame someone? I doubt it somehow. I think there'll always be moments where the, the switch is flicked and we see how little control we really have in life, like me and that VW flying backwards down the hill or maybe in a car accident, or when we get terribly sick, or a relationship breaks down. But I reckon when those moments pass, that we're inclined to be like Pilate and be fairly dismissive of the truth. The truth is, Jesus alone is king. 
and his rule, it extends far beyond the rule of the leaders of this world, far beyond the means of this world. He alone is in control of all things. If you feel like that switch has been flicked for you, if you can feel your own frailty, your own weakness, your own mortality, come to Jesus. Come to the one who's, who's actually in complete control. Come to the one who uses his control of all things to rescue his people, who gives his life for our lives, drinks the cup that we deserve to save us, to save this world. Come to him. The relief in surrendering control to the one who actually is in control is enormous. If you'd like to do that, why don't you fill out the communication form and and tick the box that says, I'd like to find out more about Jesus. The great thing about following Jesus is that we don't have to pretend we're fully in control. We can give up that illusion. We can stop trying to fight for what we can never win. We'll never wrestle total control of our lives. It's just not possible. But the truth is, we can surrender control to the one who is truly in control. Jesus has got things sorted. And Jesus has got our best interests at heart. But that doesn't mean he's always going to take us to the places where we want to go. If I'm honest, I reckon I'm like Peter a lot of the time. When Jesus takes me to some place that I don't like, I find myself trying to seize control like Peter did. Are you ever like that too? Even in this, this current crisis, I've been struggling to accept it. I've been trying to wrestle control. But you know You know what? Jesus, he may well lead us to dark places sometimes, through dark times. And we might not like Jesus' approach. We might feel like where Jesus is taking us is chaotic, like when we face unemployment or a relationship breakdown or sickness, even the loss of a loved one, even death. But the truth is, when Jesus is our king, none of these things have control over us. None of them have control over our future, our eternal destiny. Jesus has control and Jesus can bring us through them safely to his side. Peter, he didn't like Jesus surrendering to the cross, but through it, Jesus brought about the salvation of the world. We want control over all things, but Jesus alone reigns supreme. So can I ask you how you're going at surrendering control to Jesus right now? The ironic thing is that when we hand over control to Jesus, he hands back to us a realm that we actually are to have control over ourselves. All the time you read in scripture that when we follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit leads us to have self-control. The Holy Spirit leads us to bring our our minds and thoughts into line with Jesus our King and to bring our actions into line with Him and eventually even to bring our emotions into line with Him, although they seem to resist the most. A crisis can feel like a good time to throw away self-control. It can feel like a good time to be self-indulgent, self-seeking, moody, angry and sinful. But actually, when we surrender ourselves to the one who's fully in control, We can lift our eyes from ourselves to Jesus and we can accept how things are, knowing that he's in control. And we can get on living with him and being in control of ourselves as we line up our minds 
and our thoughts and our hearts and our actions with him, our King.